Hello and welcome to Stand and Deliver, a JoJo podcast. This week, we discuss episodes 13 through 15 of season 2, Wheel of Fortune through Justice, part 2. tooth in your mouth and eventually you grow so many of these teeth in your mouth that your mouth starts to get crowded and the only option available to you is you need to start yanking teeth out but the catch is the teeth that are being added to your mouth are the witch's teeth so if you remove the tooth it goes back in the witch's mouth so the only way to stop the curse is to let all of her teeth grow in your mouth until you have double the amount of teeth that doesn't sound too bad, actually. But your mouth would be, like, crowded with, like, you'd be growing in between teeth and, like, jutting out of the gums at, like, odd angles. Eh, yeah, but then you have double teeth. If anything goes wrong with the other ones, then you have extra teeth. I oh, could use shit, that. I guess. Yeah, you got a point with that. Probably make it easier to chew some, like, you know, like, sure. jerky and stuff. You could just pop a jawbreaker in there and crack it open like you're glassing a planet I need to find myself a witch yeah speaking of witches what about and body horror Jojo's Bizarre Adventure I watched three episodes of it how about you why why would you do that uh, we're doing a Jojo's Bizarre Adventure podcast maybe you've heard of it it's called Stand and Deliver it is on iTunes available now uh, starring me Oh. George Brundle and my assistant Larry Davis. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Say hi to everybody, Larry. Hi. That's right. This is my podcast. Great. I thought you anyway. had these hot shit plans for your own podcast that you keep talking about, even though I'm going to have to actually do the work on it. Uh, you just gab into a microphone for a while, yeah, but that's it's, right. it's all yours. It's your your deal. More on that later. Yeah. No, I'll do. I'll do some editing on that thing. Anyway, uh, <sighs> probably get right into these JoJo's episodes. Okay. I had my notes up, and then evidently I lost them. So I'm going to defer hosting duties back to you. That didn't last. I think long. you maybe got more of a handle on this than I do. Well, we uh, the first episode here is episode 13 of season 2, Stardust Crusaders, uh, Wheel of Fortune, starring Pat Sajak and Vanna White. Don't, don't say that. Vanna White will think that this is a tacit endorsement of our program. She is highly litigious. Yeah, she probably is. She definitely... Have you not heard about that stuff where she, like, she constantly is suing over any, like, misappropriation of her image? 
She is hugely protective of it. Did she sue Weird Al for the song Stuck in a Closet with Vanna White? Uh, well, Weird Al is a very polite young man who always gets permission, so I think that he probably went through the crowd channel. So this, I don't think this is a Coolio situation. Yeah, well, I was going to say that he's had problems with Coolio and Eminem and Prince and Paul McCartney, so... Uh, so just black people, basically. Yeah, nobody's blacker than Paul McCartney. <laughs> Oi, it's me. I'm from Harlem. That's what he says all the time. Slipping into a Brooklyn accent at the end there. So, yeah, I buy it. Yeah. Uh, so, Wheel of Fortune, so-called because the stand Wheel in this episode is a car. Fortune! Nope, not that kind of... Nope, it's a car. Like, it's got... The you car hit a bankrupt! Beep, beep, honk, honk, it's a car. Meh, meh. But you have to get both parts of the car and then win the game. And then you have to... Wait, what? And then it's on that wheel at the end and you have to spin and get that thing on the wheel and then get the final thing right? Sure. You know just as much about this as I do. Why are you asking me? I think that's how it works. Or maybe that's just for the million dollars. I think maybe... Oh, do you want to back up a bit and ask me about Three Doors Down some more? No, I don't. I never want to ask anybody about Three Doors Down ever again. (laughs) Um, Same. I think maybe you get the car if you just get the two parts of the car and then solve the puzzle. But you lose them if you hit a bankrupt. I don't know. We'll get to the anyway, bottom of this eventually. Anyway, Bonnera, we gotta start on the episode. Bonnera, he's in a car. Everybody's in the uh, car. Joseph, yes, everyone's in the car. Uh, Avdol's corpse just strapped to the hood. Yeah, it's just like vacation. <laughs> yeah, Mitt Romneying this motherfucker. <laughs> it's, it's great that Mitt Romney... Crossing the border into like, Canada. Like, he did that after vacation already came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, he did. <laughs> So, like, when that happened, anyone involved, were they like, oh, this is just like that Chevy Chase movie? Uh, uh, I think, I mean, that either the reference would be that or uh, Beverly Hillbillies. Did they do that in, Be- uh, in uh, the movie? Grandma was strapped to the top of the car and then they, like, hit a tree branch and it knocks her off. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember yeah. she was on the top of the car, but she wasn't dead. <laughs> well, it's but, arguable. But the, the Mitt Romney thing was that he had the dog tied to the car and yes, left with yeah. it, and and that also happened in vacation. <laughs> He's running for governor. He is. Yeah, yeah, he is. Anyway, He's already governor. Bonnerath is in the car. Satisfied. He Joseph is in the car. Joe Taro is in the car. Cat is in the car. Everyone's in the car. Mitt Romney's <laughs> in the car. Yes, Mitt Romney's in the car. He brought his binder full of women. All right. Who let yeah. the dogs out, he wants to know. One of those women is named Anne. She's 12 years old. Maybe you've heard of her. Uh... <laughs> yeah. She's... So she's standing in the middle of this road, and the first thing that went through my mind is like, Fucking, she's still a character in this thing? Like, what purpose does she serve? Is she, like, a hidden stand user this whole time? And it's going to be these huge twists? Like, where is this going? I wonder... Uh... 
I don't remember this happening in the book. I wonder if this is something that they changed for the show. Because I do not remember Anne sticking around this long. Uh, no, she she is in this part of the book. I know because uh, I took a, a big old shit today and decided to bring one of my JoJo books in with me. Oh, great. <laughs> um, no, I did actually pull open after this to kind of see like what the differences were since that is something that I've been doing uh, for a while now. And she is through this bit because the same thing that happens with her in this next episode is... They put her on a plane and tell her to fuck off forever. Yep. Except, like, in the in the book, it's just this throwaway line of, we're paying for a ticket and getting you out of here. In the show, it's like this whole um, scene at the start of the next episode. But yeah, like, for the most part, this plays out the same way. Like, she's still hanging around at this point. Yep. Nobody seems to know why. She says something about how... Like, this is her chance to travel the world because it would be weird if she did as an adult, which doesn't make any sense at all. It would be, it would be more normal as an adult. Yeah. Not Kevin McAllistering all around the world. Just wait yeah. until you're older. Oh, what would Harry and Marv stands be? Oh, man. Jesus. I mean, uh, Marv's would basically just be Skeleton Marv from when he got electrocuted. Well, no, I think that he would have something that's water-based, because remember, the Wet Bandits was a fabrication of his mind. Yes, well, so were the Sticky Bandits. So what if he's like yeah. a slime, like a, a goo monster, uh, a real monster musume situation here, where sure, he, yeah. he, he's Whoa. just, yeah, it's a slime girl mm. that's his stand, and, yeah. um, you know, if things, get stuck on board. In, if things get stuck in her, though, uh, she's acidic? And so you have to take proper precautions. And um, what do you think Harry's would be? Oh, man. Uh, God, Harry would... He got his head set on fire that time. He, he did. He got his head set on fire. So I, I think that he would have to have something that is fire-based, I mean, right? His hand also got burned. He got the M burned into his hand. I, I think it would have to be that, like, it is a fire-based stand, kind of like uh, Avdol's, but the strength of his flames is dependent on how angry Harry is in that moment. Okay. I can get behind that. Because anything that results in angry Joe Pesci is something that I am fully on board with. He just starts smashing up Christmas ornaments and stepping on them so he can get himself mad. <laughs> Just screaming like, ah, why the fuck would I do this? <laughs> Remember that, oh, that part where, uh, I think it's Marv just steps slowly onto that giant nail? <laughs> God, uh, yeah. Straw oh, dogs geez. for kids, okay. they call it. So, so a witch curses you, and every morning you wake up and you step on a nail very slowly. Oh, no. That's way worse than And then also teeth. you grow a tooth. Ugh. I mean, the benefits <laughs> of the teeth are nice, but it's not worth the, ta the, the stepping on a nail. It's... Uh, I mean, every, yeah. every day you would have to get a tetanus shot. That's right, yeah. That's the true body horror. Yeah. I might also not understand how body horror works. Side note. How many Cronenberg movies have you seen? Video drum. Okay, that's one. 
Yeah, and? So there's a car behind the one that all the characters are in. You told me you haven't seen Existence. And it's following them. <laughs> we've been recording for like 15 minutes. We've e- got through like Existence is a Cronenberg movie about video games and what he thinks video games will become, which is basically people with flesh guns mm. shooting each other in VR. Hell yeah. That's, I mean, accurate. He predicted it. Yeah, you know. Yes, okay. Good job, Cronenberg. You did it. Yeah. So uh, there's energy coming out of this car because it's a stand, and like they start doing this thing of just uh, the car wants to pass, and then it, they let it, and then it like slows down, and so then they try to pass it, and it's just this sort of like a couple of dicks on the road being dicks. Yeah, Polnareff yells out, Eat my road, Grant Liverlips. <laughs> okay, you didn't say that in mind, but that's fantastic. No, that's from Christmas Vacation. I'm bringing it back. <laughs> right, it's, you know, worth pointing out, Christmas Vacation I've not seen for at least over a decade. Uh, I watch it every year. It is it fantastic. Been a very long time. It's a great movie. So... The, at, at one point, though, they do this and the car kind of swerves out of the way to reveal an oncoming truck. Uh-huh. Uh, so Jotaro gets Star Platinum to punch the truck a bunch, and then their car flips and lands to safety, and the truck just gets run off the road. Yep. And they're like, man, so every- <laughs> Star Platinum really messed up that truck. We should probably check on them to see if they're okay or something. And they're like, ah, he's fine. Yeah, Jotaro's like, Nope. Let's ignore him and leave. Yep. <laughs> so once again, our heroes committed a murder. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> uh so the car though, while all this is happening, clips a road sign and flips it around so it's basically like a Looney Tunes gag of yeah. like the arrows to different locations are actually pointing backwards now. Yeah, he he hits it and it twirls around like that puzzle in Grim Fandango where you run around with the with the sign with an arrow and you have to stick it in the ground and follow where it points. It's basically that. Yeah. Uh, so they, they do end up going into, like, this sort of pit stop place, though, uh, after that. Because uh, they, they haven't, I think, come across the, the sign yet. Like, this is a bit before they get there. And uh, as they're ordering some drinks, Joseph spots the car in the reflection of a glass of sugarcane juice. Mm-hmm. Sounds delicious. Uh, no. Sounds... Super good. I'm imagining it is just a bunch of water with sugar in it. Yes. Were you Edgar from Men in Black? Nope. I'm a fly person. I don't know if I told you this. I I bought myself a teleporter. I mean, that's basically Edgar from Men in Black, except he was a roach, but still. You know. I want Uh, sugar and water. Joseph Joseph is just like... The, the driver of that car must be somebody who is in this bar. Which one of you is it? No one answers. So they're like, all right, fine. Let's motherfucking savage everybody <laughs> here until one of them talks. Yeah, it's some really great deductive work here. Like, okay, it's one of you, so we'll just beat up all of you. <laughs> While all this is going on, the car just drives away. Yeah. They they look it's over and see the car shit. is sitting there with the arms sticking out of it. They're like, oh, oh no, oh man. So 
they they take chase and I I think what happens is like the car sort of jukes them and almost sends them going off of a cliff. Uh, but they stop just in time. But then like the car appears behind them and starts pushing them off of the cliff. Yeah, they're following them and then they sort of go around a curve and it's a dead end. But the car is gone. And yeah, like a and then Palmer, bridge, but the driver, could... by the way, yeah. is like everyone for themselves, man, and starts to jump off out of the car, taking his foot <laughs> off the brakes. Yeah, he's just like, "All right, time to bail out," and starts taking his seatbelt <laughs> off. And Kakuin's like, "What kind of driver gets out first? You need to be able to hold the brake pedal." And he's like, "Whoopsie doodle." And... <laughs> so, um. Kakyoin sends uh, Hierophant Green uh, up to like act as a winch, or no, he he goes and gets the winch. Yeah. Uh, as their car drops and then hooks it to the stand car. Yep. And then Jotaro uses Star Platinum to I don't know what pull like the he... car up. Well, it's it's like he whips the winch so that the car flings back up. Yeah. But with, like, such force that it reverses the two cars' positions? Uh, sure. Yeah, this whole thing anyway, is kind of weird. Uh, also, yeah. a rare appearance of Hierophant Green doing something useful. Yeah, it's only been since, I don't know, like, episode two? Uh... The fly, the fly thing. That was the last time, right? I don't think it did anything useful during that. I think it missed. No, oh, no, he, right, he, right. It, it, he did, it did kill splashed it. It did around, kill it. yeah, and then did the That's right. tentacle okay. things. Yeah, so that would be like episode four. Yes. Which is still a long time. It's like ten whole episodes. Well, nine episodes ago. So Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I'm, I'm kind of like struggling to get through the sequence of events in this because it's a lot of really intricate stuff. And I thought I took very detailed notes on this, but as I'm reading them, I'm trying to, like, play it back in my head. You also don't care and, like, about cars. The... No, absolutely not. Uh, it's it's also just... um, Everything that happens in this, it, it just doesn't quite make sense, though. Like I said, the thing with, like, I'm not sure what Star Platinum does because he whips the winch, but then I don't know how the cars would flip positions it's it's really weird how all this stuff plays out also the cars act strangely in this like it's not quite like lupin the third level of looney tunes car physics but it's also definitely not anywhere near realistic and so no yeah. there is a great bit in another couple episodes where whole horses in a car and sort of jumps for joy and the whole car like jumps with them well yes <laughs> so true. Yeah, these are these are funny cars that behave in very funny ways, but it also makes something like an action sequence involving two cars really confusing. Are funny um, cars like uh, funny animals? Exactly. Yes. Okay. So like Goofy. Yeah. It, yeah. Okay. In in this scenario, the 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 stand car would be like the Goofy of a normal, you know, a normal car uh -huh. would be like a Pluto. Yeah. Anyway, that car flies uh, down the cliff, and then everyone goes like, huh, I guess it was no a, a normal car, so we've committed two murders today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but then the radio in the Joestar car, no, no one cares. <laughs> the radio in the Joestar car comes on and says, no, it actually was a stand and reveals itself to be Wheel of Fortune. And then this car shoots up from the damn ground. And that transforms, like it just grows spikes out and stuff. Yeah, it turns into like a bug car. Well, uh, okay. And starts splashing everyone with gasoline. Well, they don't know that yet, though. They're no, just they're no. just getting shot no. by something. And they're like, like like some somehow like they're soaked in gasoline at the end of this episode. I'm not sure how you wouldn't smell that. Ah, uh, you know, well, strange strange things happen to the senses when you get shot. Uh, you know, it, it's sort of like having a stroke and you smell toast. It's probably like that. You know. Okay. Yeah. Sure. This is my explanation. I don't actually know. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, they escape uh, through a narrow wedge, and the car starts like following an app, like after them. And so Joseph is like, "We gotta get to higher ground because like cars can't climb cliffs." And then it turns out, like, no, actually, this car can totally climb cliffs. Oh yeah, it's Saint so. your daddy's car. Nope. Uh, if this if this car's uh, a rockin', don't come. Uh... Don't don't come inside the car. Don't get in the car. How's it go? Uh, rockin' with dockin', Dream Warriors. I don't know. What are you talking honk about? Honk if you're honk if you're horn. If the if the car's rockin', don't come knockin'. Is that it? No, no. You All the bumper the stickers Ray here Bond are racist. Song? I don't uh, know what. Oh. The, yes, that's exactly what I'm thinking of. That's if the house is rockin', don't come knockin'. Well, nothing about cars. Uh, but Jotaro says to keep an eye out for the underside of the car because once it exposes itself, uh, that's when they need to attack. Uh, but before they can, uh, it reveals that what it hit them with was gasoline, and so he creates a spark and lights Jotaro up, and uh, that's it. I did it. Part three is over. Yes, he actually says part three is done. Yeah. Jotaro. So it's just like, okay, Jotaro's dead and will never appear in another episode of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure ever again. The end. Thank you for listening to Stand and Deliver. Yeah. Dio wins. So, Jotaro falls on the ground, burning, uh, presumably to death, and everyone's like, oh no. You, you haven't mentioned Joseph does a lot of oh knowing in this episode. I do have written here. Oh, God, Yeah, he does that too. See, the phrase I remember him using the most in the comics was, Oh, my God! And it seems like a lot of those have been changed to just, Oh, no! in this. But there are still some of them, which is nice. Uh, also, as much as they say, they make that big deal about, like, well, we have to hit it from underneath it to, I don't know exploit its weaknesses or whatever at the end it kind of just punches it a bunch right in the front yeah i had also wrote here and i don't quite remember why uh <laughs> this is something that either i could only write after watching a jojo's bizarre adventure episode or if i like woke up scrambled for a dream journal and scribbled something in 
because it just says roads are built by punching the ground with a ghost man. Oh, yep. Yeah, because the uh, the car says um, you have no roads left, and Jotaro's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna make a road," and then he punches him a bunch, oh. and he makes that groove in the ground, Dragon Ball Z style, and he's like, "Ah, see, I made a road." I remember now. That's right. That's this show is so dumb. I love it. <laughs> First, jo- Jotaro <laughs> falls, so falls to the ground, presumably burning to death. And he's like, haha, part three's over. I did it. Jotaro's dead. But then uh, Jotaro pops up from the ground like Bugs Bunny because he used Star Platinum to burrow underground, just leaving behind his jacket that burned. And then he just yeah. punches the hell out of the car. Between that and like the flipping the sign around thing, a lot of good Looney Tunes gags in this episode. Yeah. Uh, and so when he punches the car a bunch, it reverts back into like the car's true form, like a normal car, but it's like a really tiny, like lemon basically. And Joseph just thinks it is the funniest fucking thing he has ever seen in his <laughs> entire life. Yeah, he does. <laughs> so instead of killing him, they just strap him to a rock and laugh at him. Yeah, they leave a sign that says something like, um, I'm a priest. This is part of my training. Do not help me. <laughs> uh, also, didn't mention this dude looks like uh, he just sits at home and jacks off all the time with both arms because he's just like a, a tiny, skinny dude except with huge arms. <laughs> yeah, uh, he looks worse in the comic because it's like, the the thing that struck me about his design in the comic is that he has uh to say his chest is underdeveloped would be an understatement. It is as if though he has no pectoral muscles at all, and you just see like rib cage. Uh-huh. It's like concave. His yeah. chest is concave. Yeah, he's a weird dude. Also, his name yeah. is ZZ, which I really like. Because the yeah. car is obviously meant to be like the cover of ZZ Top's Eliminator. Wait, is Eliminator? Is that what it's called? You know, the one with the red car on it. Sure. Okay, great. Yeah. Tell me more about his pec muscles. I mean, I guess that's really what you're concerned with. You could, like, make a salad in them. It just dips in like a bowl. It's so fucking gross. Oh, boy. Put some guacamole in there. Just start eating chips. Anyway, and Yaba's like, damn, they beat up all my dudes. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. I guess I gotta fight them now. That's it. Yeah, that's the end of the episode. I kind of felt this was just a total, like, filler episode. I was not actually all that into it. Most episodes of Part 3 are filler. That's that's the thing. Yes, I I understand, but this one, like, aggressively felt like it. I think coming off of all that stuff with Jake Isle, and then you just take... Like, you do the whole Jake Isle thing, and then you got, like, a really good episode with Joseph that you could also totally describe as basically just being filler... But, like, it's super entertaining and it's a lot of fun. And then this one just feels like such a weird halt in the action. Like, it is not as interesting as the Joseph one. 
and it's not really doing a whole lot to push the plot forward like the Jay Guile episodes. And then when we get back into the Inyaba stuff, it's sort of a return of the Jay Guile thing of like, okay, we're making like actual progress here. Yeah, that that's what I was going to say is this especially feels like that because it's directly between that previous Jay Guile thing and then the Inyaba episodes. Whereas if this yeah. was after Inyaba, it would make more sense because it wouldn't be breaking up what's clearly part of you know this one story. Yeah, I I think even if you had one more additional episode here that was sort of like this or the Joseph one where it was just more self-contained, like that might have helped out. Yep. Uh, but it yeah, it it feels it's too thin there in the middle between those two beats, and so it it feels especially egregious as a as a filler episode. Uh-huh. So, okay, uh manga anime differences courtesy of jojo wikia so i stumble over this as usual uh blame the people who don't know how to write that write these things uh the anime removed the initial interaction between Anne and the crusaders with Anne offering indian porn to joseph and an argument starting up which angered jotaro telling everyone oh, so to shut up that's why she's there okay now that. i understand what her function is in the plot Thank you, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Wikia. Wait, what is it then? To give porn to Joseph. <laughs> that's her That's her whole function? Yeah. Uh, okay, well. Look, it'll all come together in the end, I'm sure. Uh, no. A few things about Indian culture were removed from the anime, such as the chai, and why some cow poop was on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. By the way Add that back in. I, I do Put really that like back in. how this this T V version of it, every episode starts with uh things that are like uh you know nothing in here no characters, places or uh names are representative of real life things. Nothing at all. Definitely not. And then it's just like here's the history of the Tiger Balm Garden. Here's these characters named Oingo Boingo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Joseph saying that he took Zizi's passport so Zizi can't follow them again is cut from the anime. <laughs> They're really just fucking that dude over. Yeah. Man. I mean, I guess it, it makes sense they would cut that out. Like, they've already chained him to a boulder, so that kind of seems like overkill. They all took turns draping their balls on his forehead. This was cut out of the anime. Let's see what director Suda has to say about this episode. He's got a lot of explaining to do. Oh yeah. With this episode taking place mainly inside a speeding car, we had asked ourselves how to correctly manage a scenario with a gradual progression while staying in the same place. Another question was also whether to draw the car by hand or use a 3D model. In the end, the choice depended on the scene. For the 3D, Kara Studio of Rebuild of Evangelion was a precious helping hand. With our tight planning, they sure saved us. The action takes place at the Indo-Pakistani border, and we had applied an exclusive filter to this episode 13 in order to underline the particular atmosphere of this mountain steppe. 
The car chase is rather difficult to put on screen, but thanks to Jean Tamamura's direction, I think the episode is full of great moments. Once the work was done, we felt a little like the driver of the enemy stand. End of the third round! Ha 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 ha. By the way, it's a cool scene. So I guess the more direct translation is end of the third round? Hmm. But I like him just saying end of part three as a weird yeah. meta thing. I wonder what the book says. I don't know. About Wheel of Fortune's design, I would have imagined a more cartoony visual, but Mimoru, in charge of the mechanical animation, had managed to combine his own style with a series of special effects to give an almost realistic rendering. The processing of the image marvelously works for a striking result. Incidentally, this is the only time you'll see Jotaro take off his jacket, so enjoy it. And we also see him smile. You know that Suda commentary reminds me. I watched the Disaster Artist recently. It oh, made yeah? me. It made me realize how much my uh, in parentheses laughs of director Suda just sound like Tommy Wiseau, like his ha 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 ha. The thing that, <laughs> it's like, oh, what a story, Mark. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> the weird thing he does, like his vampire laugh. That, so. Yes, when you do that normally and naturally, I can see that. When you're doing the impression of it, though, no. No, I I know. Okay, good. I'm aware. You somehow make him seem more menacing when you do it, which... Uh, 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 uh. I don't think well, that was... One, you're nope. the one who thinks Please I'm... stop. <laughs> you're the one who thinks I'm menacing when I uh, impersonate Cypress Hill, so... Well, that's just, yeah, we don't like, need a... All I have to do yeah. is go insane in the membrane. Insane in the brain! Ah! And you think it's the Stop scariest thing. Me. No. Because you're so... Hmm. <laughs> what? It's, it's scary when you do it. Can we just talk about the next episode? Okay. Okay. Anyway, they put Anne on a plane, like I said, and tell her to fuck off out of the show forever. Put that girl on a plane. Yeah. Send her away forever. I actually, I believe I checked this just to make sure, because at this point I was real exhausted with her just showing back up again. Uh-huh. And I'm pretty sure this is the last time she shows up. I would think so, since like I said, I didn't remember her showing up in the previous one. Yeah. I... Again, I I do not understand what the point of having her in any of this has been. She has never served any purpose in any of these episodes other than like the first one where she showed up and she got rescued. And I guess like the one with uh, strength, too, because she would still be around when that happens. Mm -hmm. But like past that, she's just been like dead weight. So I don't know why she keeps showing up. Uh, But uh, Jotaro is not there to see her off because he's managed to find someone in Pakistan willing to tailor his school uniform yeah. from scratch. Yep. Like Joseph even says like, man, it's crazy that you were able to find someone here that could make a school uniform exactly like your old one that fits exactly. And he's like, yeah, yeah, cool. I really, really do love how much they call attention to the fact that characters wearing the same thing all the time is weird. Mm-hmm. And it's only Joseph that does it, and Joseph is the only one who has outfit changes. Uh, Kakuin, it happens to him, too, because they had the whole thing where he was like, uh, well, I was out sunbathing. What, in your school uniform? Yeah, yeah sure, why not? 
Yeah, no, that's that's what I mean. Is I, I'm really liking that running gag because that's I think the third time they brought up because when they were on the boat, they did the same thing too. Of like, you're sunbathing in your school uniforms. Yep. Uh, so, uh, the gang is on the way, uh, to their next destination, but it is getting late, so they're going to go take another pit stop. Uh, they pass by a dead dog that is skewered on the side of the road and go like, eh, it seems like a nice town. Yet another dead dog in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Absolutely. Uh, this town is completely covered in fog. And as they're driving through this fog-covered town, Joseph is looking around and he thinks that everything looks nice. Uh, he is wrong. Yeah. Like, what? You go into this thing that looks like Middle Eastern Silent Hill, and you're just like, yeah, it seems great. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Joseph gets out of the car and he tells everyone how to say hello in Islamic regions. Uh, <laughs> assalamu alaikum? Yeah, assalamu alaikum. And he's just, like, screaming it at the top of his lungs with a big dopey smile on his face, and Joseph is just the best. Yep. He's talking to this Uh, guy who is just staring dead ahead, just no expression, with his arms crossed. And he does that, and he's like, Oh, salamu alaikum! And the guy continues to stare and then just immediately slams the open sign to closed. Yes, and then there's, like, this back-and-forth shot of Joseph, like, smiling nervously and the dude just staring dead emotionless at him. Yep. It's really good. Uh, and then the, the dude turns around and just walks into the shop, and there's cockroaches crawling all over his back. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, so... Uh, Polnareff is like, okay, well, whatever, let me ask this road corpse where the hotel is. Wait, road corpse? Also, Polnareff is very concerned with finding a place with clean toilets. Uh, yeah, no, he's been talking a lot about it. Yeah. I don't think he's taken a crap since the pig incident. Yeah, he's afraid of pigs. He never knows when they might pop up. I read a story earlier today. I do not know how long ago this story took place. It was something that kind of just got, like, uh reposted out there uh that someone had such an impacted bow like two liters worth of shit inside of themselves it had cut off um it had pressed against an artery and basically paralyzed their right leg and so they had to rush him to the hospital and get all this crap out of him and it took him like 11 days to restore function in his leg and, like, apparently not too long before this, the same thing happened to, like, a uh, a little girl. And she had a heart attack and died from they having, find like... find a corpse s- in the road. Uh, and So full of shit. And Polnareff is I'm... like, hey, what's going on with you? <laughs> and uh, this guy's dead. He has a hole in him. Look, I'm just trying to say I'm concerned about Polnareff, alright? He hasn't gone to the bathroom in a really long time. We all know how long it's been, though. It has been days. (sighs) It has been enough time to murder Jay Guile, a truck driver. Uh, Murdering doesn't take long. (laughs) Look, you just walk up to someone and go, blap, the end. Well, yeah, if you don't want to savor it. They don't. Mm. Jay Giles would. They don't. 
Look, who am I to criticize, I guess? Yeah. All right, yeah. Uh, cor- corpse on the side of the road. They're freaked out about this. There's a... Kakuoin asks a woman uh, with some really bad acne to call the cops, uh, but she don't care, and her face is leaking a lot. Yep. Noticeably less gross in this than what I remember in the book. Yeah, I did flip to this in the book, and yeah, yeah, it's a lot more gross. Yeah, as most things are, uh, but... And so I, I, I had wrote in my notes, like, it's shocking how these dummies have not suspected a stand yet, but then, like, as soon as I had wrote that down, Joseph is like, no, it can't be a stand, no motive. Like, what are you... T- stand users have killed plenty of innocent people so far. yeah. This whole thing is extremely bizarre. It's Ooh. probably a stand. Yes. It's probably an adventure. <laughs> Debatable. And also, they notice the fog turning into a skull at one point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's fucking awesome, too, by the way. Yeah. Like, this whole sequence of just, like, this fog swirling around and lightning cracking and the skull just coming out of the sky with a giant tarot card. Yeah, it's like a skull with a crown and hands, and they look at and they're like, Huh, you think it's a stand? It's like that uh, Dark Souls 3 boss, except way cooler and with a bunch of fog. Uh, Dark Souls 3 boss is pretty cool. It is, but I do think that this is cooler. Yeah, see skeleton plus fog. Yes. So, uh, they decide to call the police themselves and then begin, like, manhandling all the evidence on the corpse? Shouldn't mention the corpse. There are strange things about it. He has uh, a hole yes. in him with no blood or anything under, around it. Right under his neck. So, one one real quick thing, though, is, like, Joseph is using his pin to sort of move, <laughs> like, articles of clothing, which is a little tiny thing that irks me about fiction when when someone is collecting or prodding evidence with a pin. It still has your DNA on it. You've still been handling the pin that transfers off of the pin onto other things. No, the idea is not to put fingerprints directly on them. I understand. You still also do not want to get DNA on anything, so you would still not use a pin. No. But, like... It's an aside, the the thing that is fine in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is that every single one of these people are dumbasses, and so <laughs> I would not expect any of them to... It would be weirder to me if they did not use a pen. Yeah. But like, point, if one of them put just gloves like... on, I would be like, this is uncharacteristic. Well, Joseph's already wearing gloves, too. So there's that. That is true. He always wears gloves. Uh, but if, but for, when you... To keep people from seeing his freakish Luke Skywalker robot hand. <laughs> Uh, when they reveal the uh, hole under his neck, though, uh, Jotaro decides to get full-on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and just says, Okay, let's take off all of his clothes. Yep, he just rips it off. <laughs> and then and, he has uh, holes everywhere, and I think it's Polnareff who says, like, He looks like cartoon cheese from Tom and Jerry. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm really glad that, yeah, Polnareff is... A, a wonderful, precious boy. Yes. 
Uh, so Joseph no, is just like, know, shit! Not, not best character in part three. I won't say he's the best character, but he is the true hero. Uh, yeah, because as it turns out, these two episodes, mostly also about Ponorov. Yeah. Shocking. Most of part three is about Polnareff. Starting to get that impression. Uh, so Joseph is just like, shit, we need to bounce. Like, this, all of this is bad. So he, like, leaps into the car, <laughs> but then the car changes to, like, a uh, a spiked fence. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is only able to prevent himself from getting skewered by, like, whipping... Uh, hermit purple around like a uh, I think it's like a light pole it's a it's telephone pole yeah telephone pole okay yeah and uh, and pulls himself away from it yeah he, he kind of just so, like Simon Belmont's his way up there <laughs> yeah and so he's insisting that the car was there but everyone else kind of just writes it off and thinks he's imagining things mm-hmm. and before they can talk about it too much more and Yaba shows up and is like, oh, you guys are my Airbnb appointment. <laughs> Come on, I gotta stay at my place. Check out this sick hotel I have. They made James Bond movies here and John Lennon stayed here. And they're like, wow, is that true? And she's like, nah. <laughs> I was Sounds just cool, messing though. with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but for uh, real, it's a nice hotel. Come on. Yes. Uh, well... I'm not super crazy on the communal bathroom thing, and as it turns out, neither is Polnareff. Well, I'm saying that's what she says. It's like, no, it's not true, but it is still a nice hotel. Hmm, yeah, well. So, uh, she makes a mistake here, though. She addresses them as the uh, Joe Stark party, uh, but mm-hmm. they never gave her their name. So she makes up the story about overhearing Polnareff saying it, and uh, now Polnareff and Inyaba are friends? Polnareff's like uh, yeah I'm dumb that seems like something I would do <laughs> and then uh, says like he gets weirdly flirty with her like ah you don't look a day over 40 maybe we would go on a date sometime ha 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 yeah they're both laughing and having a good time and then she has this like internal dialogue of just like fucking, I fucking hate you you killed my t- I'm going to chop your balls off or fucking rip She does that a lot in this couple of episodes. Yes. It gets better every single time. She just keeps getting more and more angry. Yes, I believe the cut saying... your dick off and rip your guts out thing is later, but yes. She... Okay, I thought that actually took place right there, but but it's still fairly early in, and she just keeps getting more angry every single time, which is fantastic. Yeah, this first time it's just something... Yeah, maybe she does say it here. And then... But she does another one later, like, uh, in the lobby. Hmm. So everyone kind of gets sent up to their rooms, and everything seems to be going fine. They're getting a little respite. Oh, wait. And whole horse. You skipped skipped a great Polnareff line, where when they're signing into the hotel, he says, My autograph is worth as much as John Lennon's. I am Polnareff, after all. See, mine was, uh, my name is also Paul. Oh, or something sucks. like that. Yeah, it's not as good. It's not as good. Anyway, they go to their rooms. Yes, yeah. And Polnareff is still scouting out a bathroom. While this is going on, the whole horse 
shows up. And Inyaba starts crying tears of joy, and she runs into the next room, and whole horse follows her, and she starts asking stuff like, oh, were you my son's friend? He's like, oh, yeah, we were best friends. Oh, did you come to avenge him? What? Yeah. Yeah, uh totally. Yep, sure. Absolutely, 100%. That's what I'm here to do, avenge my best friend, Jay Giles. Definitely. Yeah, he was a a great guy, a rapist, but a great guy. Uh, yeah, he was kind of weird looking, uh, but you know he was a good wingman. Um, and then Inyaba stabs him in the arm with scissors. <laughs> yeah, with a pair of scissors. She does this great thing where she's stabbing him with one side of the scissors and then just moving the other side too, like ah yeah 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 yeah. She's whipping her tongue out and slobbering all over herself and just, like, cackling about how she's going to kill anyone involved with Jake Isle's death because, like, he abandoned Jake Isle. And, like, whole horse is talking since with this scissors in his fucking hand going, like, damn, woman, he was dead when I got there. Yeah. But still, he Uh, did immediately bail instead of trying to avenge him at the time. Uh, True. Yeah, um, and Yaba this, is all very this scissor non-dare. horror, by the way, when I finished these episodes, made me start looking up like clock tower retrospectives. Oh, great! <laughs> and I found out uh, the clock tower copyright has lapsed, hmm. so That's we weird. should probably be making a clock tower right now. Hmm. Hmm. I think we are legally in the clear to scoop up the rights to Scissor Man. Which Scissor Man, though? The good and proper little little boy Scissor Man. No, that's the worst Scissor Man. Oh come on! What's your best Scissor Man? The one from and if two. You say the one from three. By the way, I'm going to fly to your home and punch you. No, the one from two. Okay. All right. Yeah. Or. You know, the, too. the one that's just called Clock Tower in the US You know The one with the bandage on his head Yeah that's that's the thing that Always fucks me up is When I hear two I think of that one Just normal Playstation Clock Tower yes. And not the Playstation Clock Tower 2 Which is That was like a side or story a clock, Yeah Like really Clock Tower 3 is Clock Tower 4 Basically Yep and Haunting Ground is basically Clock Tower 5. Yeah. And then there's a, there was a spiritual successor that came out like a few years ago. It was called uh, like Project Scissors. I think it came out as like, like Night Cry or something like that. Is that a real thing? Or is this something yes. you download no, on that's a re- it's, it's real. It's the people who did... Well, I don't know the people. I think it was like the main guy who did the first Clock Tower. And it's basically... Almost like early 360s or like late PS2 era graphics. And this came out in like 2014, I think. And it takes place on a boat, uh, like a cruise liner or something that runs aground. And there is a cult on a nearby island. And then uh, a scissor woman basically is on the boat hunting people down. Wow, very progressive. Yeah, I think it's called like Scissor Figure or something like that. I don't remember, but I think it's like a, a lady. Um, sure, not just looks, thinking it, of uh, George it looks Michael not good. songs. Oh. It looks kind of shitty. So, 
but I don't know. I I sort of remember this thing existing. Like they they did the the sort of like, hey, we're kickstarting this thing that's a lot like this thing you used to like to the point where it would almost be actionable, but it's okay enough. Have you seen the footage, by the way, of Bloodstained? Like, the, the full Bloodstained? Yeah, and, like, I, after watching that footage, I'm, like, not interested in it at all. Yeah, it's weird. That looks so much worse than um, the one that's out yeah. now. That, that, that A-bit one is fantastic. Yeah. Like, if that is what the whole Kickstarter was for... I would just go, oh, that that was a success. They finally did a good Kickstarter video game thing. Oh, there <laughs> like a good Kickstarted retro revival. Oh, red. Uh, yeah, there have been others. There was Shadowrun Returns. There was uh, Broken Sword Five. I I mean uh, specifically though, like the yeah, uh, I know you mean one mighty number nine or ukulele thing where it's like it's not the specific franchise, but it is a facsimile of it thing. Okay, I feel like there have been others that have also turned out good from that, but I don't know. I d- the only ones coming to mind are like Bloodstained, Ukulele, Mighty Number no. Nine, and uh, yeah, you think I guess of those because they were such tower. huge garbage fires that it's hard I, to forget. Yeah, 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 they were all bad. Anyway, um, uh, stabs Jay Giles so in the horse. Arms. Yes. He's been getting stabbed the entire time we've been talking about this. Yeah, it goes on for a while. Yeah. Uh, So he ends up getting away from her, but then the uh, wound he has in his hand ends up opening up into a perfect circle, just like the one that was found on the corpse in the road. And Uh the fog starts uh, seeping into it, and Inyaba reveals that basically her stand... uh, the fog almost acts as like strings on a marionette, so any wound that it enters, she has full control over. Well, kind of. She has control over like that part, like she's pulling a string from a marionette. Because yeah, she that's, doesn't. That's have what like, I mean. She yeah. has control over the the area of the wound, basically. Yes. Yeah. 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 So to demonstrate this. She's like, you're going to die by your own hand, and starts making him, like, shove his hand in his mouth like he's Steven <laughs> Tyler or something. Yeah. And just fit the whole <laughs> fist in there. Yeah. And so, he manages to, like, rip his hand out of his mouth and then draw his stand gun, and then Inyaba redirects it right as he's firing, so it shoots himself in the face. Yeah. Which is rad, because, like, it's, it's cut so fast that the impact of that is really satisfying mm-hmm. it gets blood flying around everywhere it's cool somehow just we find out very soon that that doesn't <laughs> make any damn sense yeah. <laughs> uh, but Polnareff and the rest of the gang have heard a commotion and Polnareff is like I'm gonna go check it out you guys can stay there I'm sure it's no big deal and the episode ends is that the end? that is the end okay Yes. All right, then let me see what uh, director Sudo Wiseau has to say about this. Oh, first, uh, manga anime differences. Uh, the scene where Jotaro is tailoring his new suit is new. Uh, and then so is the scene where they go to the airport, as you mentioned, actually. So that's it. Oh, well. Uh, Suda says. 
We added an original scene at the very beginning of this episode so that the group could leave Anne, the runaway girl. It was something the original plot missed and we had to give her an exit. The atmosphere is strangely fascinating with this fog. We can feel how dense it is. You'd only need to take a few steps in to completely disappear. Let's not forget the best of the creepies, the cockroaches and lizards crawling beneath with a soft rustle. Best of the creepies. Oh, we did we did men forget to mention that the yeah, there were lizards crawling out of that dude's mouth too. Yeah. Uh, Joseph's stand, Hermit Purple, makes itself remarkably useful in a scene that is a lot less useful. Yet this fence jumping looks like an important action in the middle of all that hesitation to go inside the fog. Who knows why we made a scene like this stand out? It wasn't on purpose. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, this scene kind of sucks. I don't know why it was in there, but we did it. Uh, I guess it turned out okay. Happy little accidents. Yeah. Reiko Suzuki plays a fantastic and sinister Inya. Inyaba, whatever. Her wailings and crying with the oh lo 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 don't sound natural at all, and that's why they're perfect. Ha 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 ha. I find that she exudes an atmosphere of danger, and you can tell that her stand will be redoubtable just by looking at her. I think that probably should have been formidable, but. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next episode, Justice Part 2. I uh, did want to say, though, since Suda brought it up, uh, the, the woman playing in Yabe is, like, incredible. In yes, this. yeah. She's like, the she uh, is definitely of this part. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, we pick up right where we left off. Polnareff is going to check in on Inyaba, and Inyaba uh, sort of, like, knocks over a table and fakes a fall. And, like, whole horse's body's still in the background, but she's trying not to let Polnareff see it. <laughs> uh, so, this this whole this fucking bit, I, I love to death. that happens. Yeah. Um, so, she's using the fog to, like, kind of just pull whole, whole horse's, like, lifeless body under a uh, sofa. Uh-huh. And while all this is going on, Polnareff is just like, hey, what if you had a son? And what if he was married? And he had grandkids. Our family's great. Gee whiz. Sure does it sucks that you don't have one. Yeah, boy, if you had a son, I wonder how old he'd be. Would he be around my age? And he'd be married and he'd have grandkids. He'd have a whole nice family. It'd be great. Yeah, maybe me and your son would be best buds. Wouldn't that be awesome? There's also this one part where Inyaba just, like, her eyes go wide and she just, like, slowly tur- turns toward the camera like a Muppet. And I love it. <laughs> As a Polnareff starts getting her a back massage while he's continuing to talk about all this, and he's just like, you know, I lost my mom at a very young age. What if just for tonight, you pretended to be my mom and I was your son? <laughs> and then you could ask me anything. Yeah. And then she pulls out scissors and goes at it. She's had enough. <laughs> The fucking asides that she's having to, because again, the internal dialogue is happening while all this is going on. It's just so fucking good. <laughs> it's just her in, in her head, just going like, "Stop fucking talking about my son. What's yep. wrong with you?" Yep. Oh, uh, actually, what triggers uh, the stabbing to commence is whole horse crawling out from under the sofa and uh, trying to yeah. warn Polnareff. 
he's still he's still alive first of all second no blood so i don't know how he bled so much in the last episode <laughs> yeah, because also uh, makes me think avdol might still be alive because clearly people can survive being shot in the damn head in this well so in the opposite if you remember before part of his thing was that the bullet is also part of his stand and so that was how he was able to redirect it and Inyaba says that he must have made the stand disappear before it actually hit him. Which again mm. doesn't explain the blood, but that would explain like how both the gun and the bullet disappeared. I like I guess maybe it could have been a thing where like he curved the bullet so it grazed the side of his head. Mm. But like it doesn't make that clear during all this, and Inyaba even says, like, oh, maybe he just made it like completely disappear. So it's yeah. it's a it happens all the time in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and I don't know why I continue to get kind of hung up on it, but it is a totally inconsistent thing. Like, uh... this weird stop in the action. Or the, this weird bit where, like, the action is inconsistent in a very short amount of time. Okay. I don't know. But then, whole zombies. Yeah, I wrote down fog puppets. Sure, Fog Puppets is good. Fog Slaves. Um, yeah. Uh, so, he... Whole Horse explains how the stand works to Polnareff, and so Polnareff is like, cool, thanks, I'm gonna leave now. <laughs> Just starts making a run to the exit, and Whole Horse is like, no, take me with you, and Polnareff <laughs> is like, no, fuck nope. you, you killed my friend. <sighs> yeah, there's... Like, the whole town is there full of holes and being manipulated by justice, including a super creepy hole-filled baby. Which I'm sure you were thrilled yeah. about. Yeah, no, it's really great. <laughs> uh, yeah, between you, this and Parasite him. Eve, man, I'm having a week. Also, this is the part where when Inyaba is chasing him, she says like she will yank out his brain and break his spine in half. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> And she's also, she's running and keeping up with Polnareff, who's running as fast as he can. She's just, like, chasing after him like a gremlin. It's great. <laughs> so, Polnareff manages to get out into a hallway, and he finds a, like, a door to hide behind, and it turns out he's finally found the bathroom. Hooray! Congrats, Polnareff. Yay! You, you did, did it, it Polnareff. Uh, so the zombies are outside searching door to door, but they stop right before they reach his. And so he starts getting like really impatient and panicky, wondering wondering when they're going to like come in. So he sticks his eye up to the keyhole. Bad idea. Never Super a good bad idea. idea. No. Even if I'm not being chased by somebody, I would not stick my eye up to a keyhole. No. You see enough movies, you know, there there are only two things that can happen. Either there's going to be someone on the other side also looking in, as in this case, or something stabs through it and into your eye. That's always what happens. Third third scenario, this is a haunted keyhole and you stare through and it's some sort of weird fucked up dimension where like a woman in a red dress is just dancing on the other end of it. Oh, that'd be pretty cool, though. That's until you take your eye away from the hole, and then the woman's in the bathroom with you. That'd be okay. 
I don't. I think you're maybe what? misunderstanding understanding where I'm coming from with this. What if there's um? To... What if there's like a dog man, uh, and <laughs> another guy in a suit? Like, how about that? Like, you look through there uh, and, and you just see the dog no. man and the guy, and you're not quite sure exactly what they're doing, but you sort of you know you get a vibe no. from it. No, no, no. I know, I know, I know. Okay. I'd run outside, even if it were like a snowstorm. I I would just run. Yeah, okay. So, uh, one of the uh, zombie fog puppets uh, stabs his damn tongue, which is now like a spike through the door, and it cuts Polnareff's tongue. So the fog gets into his tongue hole, and now he is also a fog puppet. A fog puppet? <laughs> what episode bleed, did the monkeyler show gentlemen. up? What? What episode did the monkeyler show up? I don't know. So Inyaba uh, pulls him against the door of the bathroom, uh, kind of crushing him against it until he flies through, and then she orders her zombies to laugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Please clap, says Inyaba. <laughs> Uh, so, and y'all, this bit made my skin fucking crawl because we had had so many close-ups of this nasty-ass toilet and we are treated to so many more after this. She's going to force Ponrev to clean the toilet with his tongue. Uh-huh. And we starts, know. like, dragging him towards it until his tongue is just almost barely touching the porcelain. And that would be bad enough normally, but we also know how much clean toilets mean to Polnareff. Like, he is very... He's a clean man. Yeah. Now, I got all into, like... Both. I'm still concerned about Polnareff's health. And and Inyaba's just like, yeah, lick it up. Lick it all up. She's just, like, Gene Simmonsing. Appropriate, considering Kiss had the song, Lick It Up. Uh, which that was about <laughs> semen, I think, and um, yeah. Hey, look, we we don't know what's not on the toilet. Let me put it to you that way. Yep, a toilet seen some use. But as he's about to touch it, uh, Jotaro kicks the door in here to uh, he he finally remembered that he's ostensibly the main character of this. Uh, and shows up like, hey, Nyaba! Is me one main character coming through. Just remembered I'm the main character. Thought I would let everybody know my name is Jota. I mean, it's Kutaro Kujo. <laughs> That's me, Kutaro. <laughs> so, uh, Jotaro shows up and he asks where Polnareff is and Inyaba it, decides to tell him the truth that he is in the bathroom because when Jotaro turns his back she will stab him and then use justice and then he will also be a fog puppet. Uh, but before she can ex- succeed Jotaro has one more question to ask and he turns around and he accidentally trips her and it, there's a really freaky bit where like she's falling and the pointed end of the scissors are going right towards her eyeball. Yep. She manages to, like, roll out of the way, and she's fine. And then Jotaro asks how she knows his first name, and he says 
His inquisitive nature is possibly due to watching a lot of Columbo as a kid. Now, excuse me, ma'am. Uh, now, you just called me Jotaro, and uh, that's uh, that's interesting. I was wondering, how did you know my name was Jotaro? I read it off the hotel register. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, that makes sense. Yes, I, I understand. Now, here's a problem now. I never actually wrote the name Jotaro on the register. See, now, if you look here, now, is this is this a register? Yeah, I, that's the, I keep it at the, the front desk. That's the register, this, young man. This is, this is the same one that I signed, and you saw the name Jotaro in. Yes, absolutely. It said Jotaro Kujo. Plain as day. You know, I'd, like, I'd like you to uh, just look here. Look here where I signed. And you know what? I, I know. actually I, I wrote Q-Taro Kujo, you dumb bitch. Now, what do you think of that? Fuck. <laughs> Shit! And so then he's got her. <laughs> That's exactly how it happens in the show. Yeah. So, uh, the the zombies like all like pounce through the door to attack him, and um, he just like aura wars them all out a window. Mm-hmm. Except fucking baby zombie. Yep. Goddamn frame again. Baby clinging to his leg. Son of a bitch! No! <laughs> and Man. it stabbed the leg with its disgusting fucking spiked baby tongue. Mm. You're gonna have a bad time uh, in a couple of weeks, by the way. Having a bad time, by the way. Yeah, I, I mean, it's gonna be worse, but okay. <laughs> For 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 reference, because people listening to this might not know, I legitimately have a deep-seated fear of babies. Or, like, baby-related things. Like, if uh, I see a, a pacifier, I uh, get sick to my stomach, and it makes me want to <laughs> gag. Yeah, there's nothing more terrifying to you than the scene in King of the Hill with baby done a bad, <laughs> bad thing legitimately yes that's fucking disgusting to me <laughs> like it's it's honestly not so much maybe like a like a, a fear as it is I, it makes me queasy there's something about babies that just makes me want to retch yeah well as i said you're gonna have a good time <laughs> a couple of weeks odd Especially if it's, like, bad stuff happening to a baby, too, like, it's all deformed or something. Like, in this case, where it's filled with holes. Like cheese in a Tom and Jerry cartoon. (laughs) Yeah, delicious. Um, Serve this baby over some pastrami, it's, oh. Oh, boy. There there is, uh, I played Parasite Eve recently, and uh, you knew I was playing that game, and you did not warn me that the end of that game has a big old baby flying around, and you gotta fight it. Because I thought you knew. It's a horror game, know. so of course, like, what? sure. I, there will be a podcast in the future where I will get real into what I knew about Parasite Eve, and what I think of Parasite Eve, but I'm making it known right now, that whole section... I was not okay with. It okay. Where are we? Joseph kicks his baby out a window, never to be seen or heard from again. Thank Thank God. God. Yep. So, uh, 
and Yamba's like, well, I got you now because, like, you got a wound in your leg, so pretty much, you know, game over, buddy. And she's like, you can't punch Fog. What are you going to do about it? You can't punch Fog? You can't shoot Fog? You can't stab Fog? And so I actually will admit this is a really good solution from Jotaro. Yeah, uh, like, so he's this, like, whatever. I, I think this is the first time he defeats an enemy by a method other than just punching it a lot. Yeah, so the, the, he's like, you will be, she will be dead uh, before she has a chance to draw another breath. And so she's like, ah, oh god, no, I can't breathe. Because uh, Star Platinum is sucking up all of the fog which is, like, stopping Inyama from being able to breathe. Yeah, it's basically like a, a Silver Age Superman solution, where he's just like, ah, I know, I'll just breathe in all of this evil fog. Yeah. Uh, there's a good bit where Inyama's choking to death, and she just says, please stop. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, also so, like how uh, when he's inhaling it, it's just like a multitude of skulls getting sucked into him. Yeah, it's uh, it looks awesome. Yep. So, the 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 day is saved. Uh, and Yaba has been knocked out cold. He says something along the lines of like, "I guess her stand is now trapped inside of her." I thought it was trapped inside his stand. It it it, it might have been some sort of translation issue with my thing, but it it seemed kind of unclear what exactly happened. Like it made sense. He's sucking in the stand, so. Oh, okay. I see. But yeah, I, he, I see what you're talking about because I've I've kept these running. He's, it's basically just a joke. He's saying he says her head is full of the fog that she likes so much. He's just saying that. Okay. She, she's foggy headed. Yeah, I might. I guess I just needed another pass on that thing to get it. But, uh, so, the gang is now hooked back up with Joseph and Kakuin. Uh Joseph thinks it is a riot that Ponoref licked a toilet. Yep, he keeps making them say it. He's like, oh, you licked a toilet, huh? Ha 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 ha. Yeah. And Polar's uh, like, no, please. What'd you say you licked again? A just, toilet? Just, ah. I, I just want some disinfectant for my tongue. Please give me the medicine. <laughs> toilet liquor. Polarf wants some disinfectant. Hey, everyone, check out this toilet liquor over here. I mean, I didn't mean to, you know, she made me. I, if I don't do something about this, like, I have a oh. hole in my tongue. My toilet tongue. My name is Polnareff. There's a point where Joseph is straight up on the floor, hitting the floor, <laughs> laughing at Polnareff. He thinks it's so fucking funny. And like the entire time, I'm sympathizing with Polnareff. Just like, dude, that was a nasty toilet. Like, he just wants some disinfectant. Yeah. Just give him a little bit of bactine, man. Like, cut him some slack. He has had a bad day. Mm-hmm. He has still not used the bathroom. That's true. Huh. So maybe he's like Jack uh, Bauer. Like he just you just never see him do it. <laughs> he has to tackle a Christmas tree and then defecate inside the Christmas tree. Oh no. <laughs> so they all notice uh outside is just a massive barren graveyard. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, not not barren. There's a bunch of skeletons and stuff out there, and they realize that Inyaba used her power to make a graveyard appear as if though it were a town, 
and that the townspeople they fought were in fact uh, long since buried. That's been dead cool for as hell. Hmm? I said that's sorry, cool as out. hell. Oh, yes. Yeah, no, that's honestly a really neat concept. Like, those gravestones are laid out like city blocks would be. So, yeah, it's it's neat. I like that a lot. They maybe could have played with that idea a bit more, but it, it works totally fine as just sort of this little stinger at the end of the episode. Yeah, like with that uh, bit with they... Joseph sort of trying to jump into the car and then switching to the fence, it seems like they could have done more stuff with that, like shifting around as they tried to get through it. But See, that's um... originally where I thought they were going to go with it, was would have been this whole like shifting perspective sort of thing where nobody quite knew what reality was. And I thought, like, that makes sense. Like, fog obscures things, so it would be, you know, something more along those lines. And it says just, like, oh, it's a marionette power. Which, like, is still a, a really interesting and neat concept, so I'm totally happy with these two episodes. But there's there's a lot of other stuff that they could have done with that that would have also been just as cool. So. Uh-huh. Uh, but they, they tie up Inyaba with the intention of interrogating her, and Joseph says if uh, she won't give information up, they'll use Hermit Purple to project what she knows onto a TV, but to do that, they need to get to the next town, and whole horse, that rascal has stolen their car. Yep. Like, ah, I took your car, suckers. See ya. I got a vamoose. Yeah, and like I said, he does this weird thing where he's just like, ha-ha, fuck you, and like his card sort of jumps up in the air, like a little jump for joy. Uh-huh. Whole horse is great. He is. I'm bummed he doesn't become a good guy, like at this point. Yeah. But that is episode 15 of JoJo's uh, Bizarre uh, Stardust Crusader. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for that. I really appreciate it. Differences between the manga and anime. I'm so sorry. A brief scene that depic- was not planned, it just was building up. A brief scene depicting Justice controlling a Polnareff modeled marionette is added. When Jotaro holds up the guest book, an assortment of other names can be seen on a separate page, such as Fiona Wadsworth. Okay. Name. Sure. And by the way, if if I ever needed to get like another like wooden posing doll, I totally would want one with Polnareff hair. Yeah. Uh, Suda says. This episode makes a pair with episode 14, and Hirofumi Ogura is at the storyboard for both of them. He's accustomed to comedy, and the second part is precisely full of comedic elements. Unconsciously, Polnareff manages to stir Inya's hatred more than ever. He's excellent at this little game. Even if the hag knows that it's not provocation, he's constantly rubbing it in her face by mentioning her son. I like the zombie horde. They are as creepy as can be, but the real great moment you can't miss is, of course, Polnareff licking the toilet. <laughs> can't miss it. No, wish I could. This scene had our full attention and necessitated a lot of planning. Some wanted to add a little poo inside the toilet bowl, or debate about the overall level of dirtiness. Ha 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 ha. 
But in the end, Jotaro intervenes and takes the situation in hand. And what an entrance. As expected of him, he only has to enter the scene for the tension to rise. It's almost as if he was annoyed by the Polnareff gags and had decided to get to business. Incidentally, Jotaro was technically the only one able to defeat her, wasn't he? Mm. I do like, by the way, how Jotaro enters by kicking the door in, yeah. as if though he only ever takes his hands out of his pockets to point at things. Or punch. Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. Pointing or punching, but that's mm -hmm. it. Nothing yeah. else. Uh, I loved seeing Joseph making fun of Polnareff like he did at the end of the episode. A real complicity had appeared inside the group. I guess it means camaraderie. And it shows. Yeah. This is the kind of teasing we only find within a oh within a genuine comradeship. So, okay. Yeah, you know they're, no. like, they're like old war buddies. No, like genuine comrades would hand over the disinfectant. Ah, you know it's it's like EMT humor. You know they're like ah no. this guy got his head blown off. Isn't that hilarious? No, it's not. <laughs> I know. Suda doesn't understand human emotions. <laughs> He's too Suda's deep in a Jojo. sociopath? Yes! Haven't you heard oh any of these things that I've been reading? No! I've not paid attention to a word of it. Well, if you had, then you would know. Suda, you do not want to find yourself in a dark alley with <laughs> Suda. <laughs> Instead of laughing for real, he just says laughs. Yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> Probably. You just you see the silhouette of Suda at the end of a dark alley and all he does is say laughs. In parentheses laughs. And then he begins to ascend upon you. <laughs> That's it for this week. Uh next week <sighs> we'll be watching episodes sixteen through eighteen, which is the lovers part one through the sun. But before we go, hot news! JoJo news! Coming in through the wire, here we go! Part 5 announced! Who would have guessed? It's almost like they heard we were doing a podcast and we're like, oh! Yes, we should I... make them do that forever! Yeah, I take full credit for this. Also, I wish it hadn't happened now, because it means we'll be into this well into next year. Um, yeah. So we're going to continue at our current pace. Uh, we screaming we... at you on Discord, going what? like, "Yeah, what? What? It, I think I was screaming at you on Discord about that. Like, yeah, fuck it, let's just watch JoJo's now. Watch it tomorrow. Watch it forever. Watch it until we die." Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, <laughs> they might take a long time after part five, so they'll probably be the end of this. But so yeah. uh, we'll be finished with part. Or uh, I went ahead and like wrapped up, you know, metered out the episodes. And the end of part four will be week 35, which I believe will be about mid-November. And part five uh, starting October? Mid middle of yeah. October? So um, we'll still do batches for whatever is currently out at that time. And then after that, we'll just have to be doing one a week. Mm. Uh, as it airs, because we want to give you, the listener, the freshest JoJo's possible. 
because we care. Deeply. Yes, about you, the listener. Yeah, you. Not the not the thank, other guys. You. you. Like you specifically. No. Just you listening to this. We uploaded a very special version of this podcast just for you. Yeah. You're the only one that's hearing this because once it was downloaded once, it was deleted from the archive. So congratulations, whoever you are. Very lucky person. It's whoever keeps writing us as anonymous. Those were two different people, actually. Oh. Huh. Believe it or not. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's it for this week. Uh, I'm going to die. We're going to die doing JoJo. You know what? There's a lot of worse ways you could go. Like, for example, uh, what if you had two liters of shit inside of your body? Bye, everybody. And you were just growing teeth constantly. Yeah.